Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, I'm your host, and I am a retail transformation specialist and founder of OB & Co. And here at OB & Co, our goal is to support retailers in navigating the difficult market conditions and instead achieve successful transformation. We offer advice and guidance on creating the ideal omni-channel operating model, developing a realistic roadmap to implement that and help bring that into reality. Increasing profitability building a competitive edge and ensuring you have continued customer relevance in the industry. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 221, number 221. Now, trials are an essential part of many transformation initiatives. They help to build confidence in the idea, in the concept, and they offer a great opportunity to continue to refine, develop and improve the solution before you get into that major deployment phase. But to make a trial a success is actually more challenging than it perhaps sounds. There are many different aspects that go into making a successful trial, and that's what we're going to be diving into today. Now, you may remember in last week's episode, episode 220, we explored the many different types of trial and the different approaches you may want to pursue. And when we're talking about trial, again, as mentioned in the previous episode, there are loads of different terms. But for the purposes of today's conversation, we're referring to all of these as a trial, whether it's a test or a pilot or a proof of concept or a beta, whatever it is, we're putting those together under the banner trial. The show notes for today, you can find over at obandco.uk slash 221, where you'll also have the opportunity to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my weekly email newsletter that in just five minutes gives you the key headlines and intel about how the retail industry is evolving across the world. And you can get the Retail Transformation Briefing for free on the show notes over at obandco.uk slash 221. So today we're looking at how you can run and manage successful trials. And I think for any given trial, and remember we're using that bigger sense of the word, for any given trial, there are three stages to focus on to help make it a success. The preparation stage before the trial, the delivery stage during the trial, and the review stage after the trial. And we'll be diving into each of those today. But before we do jump straight on in, I think it's also important just to consider what do we mean by a successful trial? And again, we touched on this a little bit last week, but just so we're all clear today, a successful trial is one that shows the right answer. And I've got air quotes going on there for right. So the right answer. And that is the right answer that proves if the idea, the concept is good or it proves it is not good. 
it's not the right avenue to pursue. A successful trial is definitive. It says it is good, it is not good. It helps you and the wider business to make the correct decision for the transformation and, like I say, for the organisation. An unsuccessful trial is the opposite of that. It is inconclusive. It does not give you a clear answer or it gives you a false answer, a false positive or a false negative. And ultimately, the trial results are going to send your transformation and perhaps the wider business down the wrong path. And just whilst we're on this topic, a successful trial that says this idea is not a good idea, that's okay because it, like I say, it is stopping the business from making a rubbish decision. It teaches you something. It helps guide the organization. So if that is the case, don't feel bad. Don't equally try and steer that away. And we'll get onto that a little later on. The answer is what the answer is, right? And your aim is to find the right answer. So let's dive into those three stages to focus on to make your trial a success. Firstly, the preparation before the trial. Now, right at the very start of the preparation is the decision to do a trial. And of course, you may want to go back and explore the many different types of trial that you could do. And that we covered in the last episode, episode 220, like I say, if you've not checked that one out, that's definite one for the listening list. And you're also going to want to think about the different testing methodologies that you could do. And again, these are different depending on your specific solution, the specific approach that you're looking to do, what you're trying to learn as well, right? And there are loads of different methodologies. The most obvious methodology is probably the one that you might remember from school science experiments, right? You try and keep everything as still as possible and you test one factor at a time. You might know this more commonly as an A-B test or perhaps slightly less commonly, but a bit more formally, as a monadic test. Here you are trying to keep, like I say, all of the variables that you could change constant, so you can just see the impact of that one aspect that you are changing. Now this type of trial or test is great if it's a quite a simple solution, and you have good control over many of the variables. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. And so you want to get a good statistical significance if you are doing A-B trials. An evolution of this basic test is a sequential test, which shows these different solutions, still one at a time, but in sequence. So you can see the different options, or you can understand how things build up and interact over time. And then if you've got a very complex solution with loads of different variables, loads of different factors, and in quite a noisy atmosphere, in terms of variability rather than audio, <laughs> you may want to look at design of experiments. Now, I first came across design of experiments when doing my Lean Six Sigma training, a little bit in green belt and a lot in black belt, and they really blew my mind when I first came across them. So clever. They're looking at testing multiple factors with multiple different levels or settings or strengths, shall we say, all at once. And it feels very random, very complicated. And you think, I'm never going to be able to get a clear answer out of this. But actually, that's the science and the statistics of design of experiments. 
there is a complex relationship between all of these different factors and the different levels. And actually, through using elements like regression, you find out what the relationship is and ultimately what the optimum solution is for your particular experiment or trial. And that design of experiments, whilst complicated, is fantastic if there are complex solutions on the table and a lot of them as well. So as you are thinking about preparing for a trial, think about what testing methodology you may want to use. And there are even more methodologies as well that perhaps you may want to use, for example, if you're doing stress tests or life tests. So consider this carefully. So once you've defined your overall methodology, you want to start planning for the trial. And this is unfortunately, in my view, where many trials run into issues. They're not planned carefully. They're arguably unplanned, unconsidered, and therefore they are getting ready for an inconclusive response, a failed trial, if you will. I believe that the best way around this is to start considering the many different factors that go into building a successful trial. And I'd pull those together into a trial plan document. Maybe it's a trial strategy or a trial terms of reference. It's a document in one place with all of the information. You can use that to build up your thinking, build up your approach and communicate that to others. Now, what the exact contents are for this document is of course going to be bespoke for your particular transformation and your solution. But some of the key considerations that I wanted to share with you are, firstly, what is the goal for the trial? And as you expand the goal, you're going to want to think about how you are going to achieve that goal. Is it a quantitative performance of a particular metric? Do you have targets? Or are you looking to qualitative data? And given this, where are you going to get the data from, be it qualitative or be it quantitative? And how are you going to collect and refine that data to show the success against, like I say, is it a target, for example? Whilst you're also thinking about a goals section, shall we say, you're going to want to have a hypothesis to the trial. What do you think will happen? What are the good sides? What are the downsides? Are you going to use comparisons as you are thinking about that goal, whether it be stores or timelines, for example? And we'll get onto that a little later on as we're talking about analysing the results. But think about these comparisons, if you want them, beforehand, because it's too late otherwise, right? This is one of the reasons why so many trials fall short at this first hurdle. Ultimately, a goals section of this trial document is going to be looking at how are you going to assess the trial? How are you going to prove if the initiative is good or not good? How are you going to avoid it being an inconclusive answer? Who is going to be the judge and who is going to draw the conclusion? And what are the benchmarks for that particular conclusion? So think about what trial success is going to be as part of this trial plan, this trial document. And of course, you may also want to include the testing methodology in there as well. Again, so everyone's clear on what's going to happen. The next section to this document, and you're not going to want to have necessarily these in the exact order, by the way, but the next section is going to be around the timelines. Think about when is the trial going to start? How long is the trial going to be? How is that length being decided? Is it based on a time period, for example, 100 days, or is it based on 
another aspect. You know, maybe it's a thousand uses or 10,000 customers, whatever that is. Do you need to allow a bedding in period for the trial to allow people to get used to it before you can start to see real results, real impacts? Thinking about timelines, when are you going to have different touch points through the trial? Are there going to be any review points, including the final review and decision point, right? You may also want to consider if there are any other decision points, for example, before, during or after the trial, including any sign-offs and regulatory approvals. The next section to include is around the scope. Here you're going to want to think about what is included and what is specifically excluded, in particular related to your goal. You know, let's bring up an example. Let's say you're wanting to test the suitability of a specific segment of the supply chain. Let's say from warehouse or fulfillment center to stores. But you know that in the real world, the supply chain goes a lot further up. So are you going to be casting a scope net over just that segment from warehouse to stores? And are you going to be creating an artificial trial in that instance to be able to intercept particular test cases or products before? Or are you going to be able to intercept them, for example, at the store back door to be able to assess quality? Yeah, it depends on, obviously, the bespoke element of your trial and your specific use case. But think about what's included, what's not included, and how am I going to inject and intercept the trial, particularly with regard to data as well? As you're thinking about scope, you'll, of course, want to think about the size of your trial, whether it be the number of stores, the number of customers, the number of categories, SKUs, you name it. How big is this trial going to be? And how much data do you need to be able to collect to prove statistical significance in your results? You're going to want to think about what is being tested and if that is static or are you going to add in new developments, new improvements as you go along in an agile development manner? Whilst thinking about scope, also consider the scope of the solution as well. What other aspects are you testing beyond the, shall we say, the technical solution itself? Do you need to test any training courses, any onboarding, any particular communications? And then finally, in that scope section, how are you going to ensure that what is excluded stays excluded? Or if it does creep in, how you can identify that and clean the data out so you get a nice clear signal? Another section to include is around resources. Now, different resources that your trial may consume could include people, equipment, working capital, stock, payments, suppliers. There are many different resources and lots more as well, by the way. So think, what do you need to get the trial up and running? And who's going to do this? What support is going to be needed during the trial? And again, who's doing this? And what's needed after the trial? And who is doing that? Related to the resources, think about the communications plan as well. In particular, who needs to know what and how? And when is that going to happen? Consider what updates are going to be needed and who is going to create those, who is going to receive them? What sign-offs need to happen? Especially important if there are specific regulations to adhere to or if there are health and safety implications as well, of course. Now, whilst you're thinking about a communications plan, you're going to want to make sure that you very carefully consider if people know about the trial. You've probably heard of the placebo effect, right? 
You could send out a communication that you're going to be trialing something to improve a particular aspect and you do nothing at all and that particular aspect will probably improve. Strange. But consider, do you need to let people know about the trial and is there a real risk of a placebo effect impacting the results? Equally, you're going to need to watch out for a red carpet treatment when it comes to the comms plan. The red carpet treatment is where you get a lot of senior attention on a particular topic. Let's say you've got a trial store and all of the directors and VPs and the C-suite go in and have a look at the store. And all of that extra attention means extra focus and ultimately improved results. And it may get a little extra support as well from perhaps head office or from area management. I've certainly seen an example where issues are getting resolved very quickly because senior leaders are in the store regularly. And of course, that extra little grease in the wheels means the whole machine runs a lot better. And unfortunately, the trial results can be compromised. Also, as you're thinking about communication, I'm reminded of the episode a few weeks ago with Lucy Eckley, and we were talking about two-way communication. So consider, how is your communication going to be two-way? How are you going to hear back from the trial, essentially? How are issues going to be raised by those impacted by the trial? How are you going to hear feedback from customers or colleagues? And equally, if you're looking to make improvements, how can you discover these improvements? And how are you going to then communicate back that you've heard the suggestion or the challenge and what's been improved and what's been deployed and how you're going to re-communicate that out in a simple way? So your communication plan is key. Really think about this before the trial starts, all as part of that trial doc. The next section in this document is thinking about the risks and the implications. What could go wrong is what we are diving into here. And how are you going to detect problems? Similar to what we just spoke about, two-way communication to watch out. How are you going to discover major issues? Are you looking for feedback? Are you going to be analyzing data in near real time to see if there is a particular metric that is going off a cliff, shall we say? And how are you going to intervene in these different instances? Are you going to let the trial crash? Do you need to step in to protect the company, shall we say? Again, each of these is going to be bespoke to your solution. Also thinking about risks, you may want to consider if there is any high profile timings included for your trial. Are you going to be trialing through peak trading, for example? Or is there a specific category peak that you need to be aware of? You may also want to consider noise and variation here as well. And then the final section of your trial doc or your trial plan is around the future. Think about what happens when the trial ends. If it's a planned completion, you have reached the end, what happens then? If there is a major issue along the way and you need to pull the trial, stop it immediately or pause it even, what happens then? What activities and communications will need to happen? Is there particular equipment that needs to be uninstalled? And equally, what happens afterwards as well, especially if the trial proves that it is a good idea? Is there a, another phase of trial? Do you increase the scope? What does the future look like? And arguably, where does the trial sit within the wider transformation plan as well? So all of these elements and more as well, specific to your particular solution, 
fit into this trial plan or this trial document. And that is really the key to getting a successful trial because to go through that process, there is a large amount of thinking. It is relatively easy to put your solution out into trial. But if you do just quickly put it out, that's when you miss all of these different thinking points. And ultimately, you're going to get to the end of the trial, if you even know what that means. And unfortunately, you are going to find that the answer is inconclusive. So plan and prepare for the trial and put a huge amount of effort in there. The next point of making your trial successful is during the trial, the actual execution of the trial. And actually, how do you make this successful? Maybe it's a bit of a cop out, but you follow the plan, right? You understand the communications, you understand the metrics, you understand the scope, and you stay laser focused on that plan. That's how you're going to get good, clear results. Now, it may be that there are particular challenges and hurdles that come up and you need to adjust that plan. That's great. Feel free to, but make sure that it's documented. Make sure that people understand what is changing and why. And that can then be considered when you come to review the trial. As the trial continues, again, in line with your plan, think about how you are going to check in. Think about how you're going to listen and respond to issues that are raised and whether you need to intervene in any way as well. All aspects that you've already considered as you've been preparing for the trial, of course. And then the final section that you need to consider to make your trial a success is, of course, after the trial, when you come to review the results. Often, if a trial is unprepared, this is the stage where you realise that the trial is inconclusive, that you realise there are issues. And like I say, those issues were created a long time ago, back in that pre-trial phase. You know, maybe you're not quite sure what the goal was of the trial. Maybe you didn't have any specific targets. Maybe you weren't even sure what metrics you were going to be considering. Maybe there's no hypothesis. And so when you say my particular score on the metric is 95, is that good or bad? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's what I was expecting or not, right? You know, maybe you haven't been clear on how to collect and analyze the results. Maybe equally, you're looking at the results and you're thinking, ah, oh, well, that's because this reason, that's because that reason. And actually, you didn't have a clean trial after all, because you didn't understand the scope, for example. And equally, you may find some projects are overly biased when they're looking at trial results. They're focused on what improves, and they kind of slip what doesn't improve under the proverbial carpet, right? Hope that no one notices and that was just random. Maybe, but maybe that's a massive signal that you need to include. All of these challenges are born before the trial starts. But let's assume you have listened to the podcast and you have got a great trial document in place. You know that strategy, you know that approach, and you know the detail. You need to get into analyzing and understanding the results. And again, it really depends on your specific situation here. But you need to be able to dive into the analysis and be curious. Often in retail, particularly given the noisy environment, there are questions that you may need to consider. And that's where the curiosity comes in, right? Let's take an example. Let's say you are trialing something in a supermarket. You are making a specific change to drive sales in fruit and veg in the produce department. And then you compare your performance in your control stores 
and you see that sales in your trial store have improved. Fantastic. The trial must be working, right? But then if you're curious, you also notice that sales in the meat department are also up. Hmm. Was that because there was a different impact that happened to elevate the whole store? Was the increase in sales a halo benefit because of the change you made to fruit and veg? Had you inspired customers, let's say, with fruit and veg and you encouraged them to buy more meat? Equally, was there a change in the meat department that meant there were more fruit and veg sales as a a halo effect of that? Can you distinguish and separate the results? And actually, what happened in the control stores with that? Did they see meat sales increase by more or less? Should your produce sales have increased by more? So have curiosity, explore what that could mean. Let's take another example. Let's say it's an e-commerce store and you're making a change at checkout to increase multi-buys and ultimately boost sales volume. Now, there are loads of other metrics and data that boost sales volume as well. Aspects like conversion, pricing, average order value, average items per order, online traffic, even different channel mixes, right? And each of these can have an impact in sales. So are you looking at what's happening to all of those different metrics at the same time? And there are loads of less obvious metrics that you may want to dive into as well. You know, whether it's around card rejection rate, stock availability, postal times, loyalty, loads of considerations, right? But if you are just looking at one particular metric, you might be missing a whole torrent of underlying impact as well, good or bad. So when you are thinking about your analysis and understanding the results, consider how you are going to tie together many different metrics, many different feedback sources, and tell a coherent story. How are you going to be clear on the interconnected nature of your business and the impact of the results and of the transformation trial, right? And then finally, after the trial, you are going to want to make a decision. You are going to want to draw a conclusion. Now, who is deciding on the conclusion of the trial? Hopefully, you identified that right early on when you're thinking about goals, right? But how are you going to get the data to them? How are you going to build insights and draw conclusions, hopefully in collaboration with that individual or that team? How are you going to document the results? And how are you going to drive that particular decision? You may also want to consider how you are going to capture lessons learned from the trial. And that's for two particular avenues, lessons for the transformation. What can you change to make this specific initiative better? But also lessons learned for future trials too. And particularly for the latter, who needs to learn those lessons? Because otherwise they'll get lost in corporate archives, right? So those are our three focus areas for making your trial a success. Thinking about how you can prepare and plan the trial in detail in advance. Thinking about how you can deliver that plan as you look to execute, keeping yourself on track, being aware of what is changing. And then finally, how can you review, draw conclusions and make a clear decision about your trial? Ultimately, remember, you are looking for a successful trial that is a conclusive answer, one way or another. It's going to help your organization to make a better decision for the future. It's funny, you know, trials on the face of it are very simple. 
like I say, you can quickly deploy a trial, but the real challenge is in that prep. Now, if you would like help or your organization would like help to define and set up your transformation trials, then we should talk. I offer advisory and coaching services, which can be extremely useful to help the different technical experts in your business to understand how you go about running a successful trial right from that very first point. And ultimately, it's going to help to build the transformation capability in your organization. So if you'd like to talk about how you can run better trials and how I can help you to run better trials, then reach out. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk. That's oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I'll make sure it's on the show notes for you as well. Now, I do hope you have enjoyed this exploration into how to make your trials a success. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Retail Transformation Show, then I've got three suggestions of where to go from here. Firstly, if you've not checked out the previous episode, that's episode 220, then go and listen to that one. That's called Your Transformation is on Trial. And there we're exploring the different reasons why you might want to run a trial and all of the different types of trial that you could run and how they differ. So episode 220, a definite listen to episode. Next up, check out episode 209 with communications expert Lucy Eckley. And there we were talking about powerful change communication and in particular, the importance of two-way communication, which will be important to consider for your trial as well. And then finally, if you're intrigued by the complex nature of multiple different metrics, then I encourage you to go and check out episode 175, number 175, with Ben Salmon. And we were talking about embracing e-commerce metrics. And in there, whilst it's useful for e-commerce, you're also going to find loads of advice and golden nuggets for any number of metrics as well, for that matter. So those are three episodes there. I'm going to put all three of those episodes on the show notes today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 221. That's obandco.uk slash 221. So we're going to wrap this episode up right here. Thank you so much for listening. Do remember to subscribe to The Retail Transformation Show on your favorite podcast app and catch new episodes every single week. And I'll look forward to joining you on one of those episodes very, very soon. Bye for now.